So, Father. Michael. We have to address the elephant in the room. Yes. You're leaving me for 10 days. <laughs> for 10 whole days. <laughs> 10 whole days. Is it actually a full 10 days? I guess it, it is a full 10 days, two days of travel time yeah so i'll leave sunday night after masses Mm -hmm. so i think i fly from charlotte to philadelphia at 6 20 on sunday night and then from philly to lisbon um and get in i think at like 11 a.m on a lisbon time so Mm -hmm. that'll be good um so how are you at sleeping on planes i'm pretty good at it actually i relax on planes really well nice because i'm not in control Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get up there and fly the plane. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Um, so I can just kick back and relax. I have no decisions to make. Do it's you lovely. go incognito or do you? With your, I always wear my clerics. You wear your clerics. I do. And let, I mean, especially in a case like this, because I mean, I'm going on a pilgrimage. I'm mm-hmm. on official duty. Yeah. I will say like when I went on vacation with my parents back in February um, on a cruise, I didn't. I just wore a collared shirt and you know then i just like i'm on vacation mode then but with a pilgrimage like i'm definitely on official business um and to be fair i feel more comfortable in my clerics Mm -hmm. like it's just i wonder if it's like what it would be like for a married couple like if you were to like take off your wedding ring and go in public like it It would be it would be weird if i took off the wedding ring yeah i don't know if the public thing would just just not having it on because it's People aren't really paying attention yeah. to the wing, ring in public, but not having it present would be on. I bet. And I'm, I'm just at this point in my life where, I mean, I, you know, going on vacation and wearing like, you know, shorts and sandals. It's nice, especially like on a cruise at the beach. Yeah. It just makes sense. But I'm just more comfortable wearing my, my clerical collar. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just who I am. So how many times have you got stopped in an airport for a confession when you're traveling? <sighs> I mean, is that like it's a norm? Been, yeah, yeah. Do you just expect um, it to happen? I wouldn't say a norm, but it has happened countless times over the years. Mm-hmm. And I've even, I think I've even heard a confession in the air before too, like oh. for the person sitting next to me on the plane. So that's kind of cool. Nice. And yeah, it's just, it is kind of nice to have like the, uh, you know, it's like an open for business sign on, you know, and it's, it's good. And I figure even if I don't have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. that they see that there are priests who are still out there is yeah. a good thing. And I feel like if I was a priest, which I'm not, but I think about these things. Sure. I would totally wear it in the airport, even for vacation. Because sure. I'm still, as you kind of said, open for business. Yeah. As soon as I got to the vacation destination, then I would kind of... that makes sense. ...closed. And I think for me, it just, it sort of depends on, you know, the circumstances of the vacation. The reason for traveling. And quite frankly, like the time of day of the travel and if I'm completely exhausted or things like that. Because, you know, on some of these vacations, it's like the big thing is just sort of like not being on. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm a different person, but, you know... There's a difference between just being, you know, Johnny Anonymous at the airport and no one's going to come up and say anything as opposed to, you know, you're opening, like I said, open for business. And sometimes you're just exhausted and not really ready to be open for business at the moment. Yep. So, but no, it's, it's, it's a good point. And I know that there have been vacations that I have worn my clerics out, but yeah, there's certainly times that I, I have not too. All right. So now the big question as well. Yeah. How many times is this for going to Fatima? Is this number five? Four. Four. Number four. So this is my third pilgrimage, and I went once by myself. And, um, yeah, it's funny because I've been sort of talking about this with some people. Cause, and, you know, it's I have an easily guilty conscience regardless. Mm-hmm. So I feel bad I'm leaving right after having been on the priest retreat. And then I have another pilgrimage coming up in February to the Holy Land. Um, and I told some people because, you know, we got a lot of wonderful people that want to go to these places and 
I think that they should, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's one of the great perks of being a priest that I get to join them on these trips Mm -hmm. and get to celebrate Mass in all these wonderful places. Um, But you'll notice, like, with the Holy Land, this will be my second trip, and, and it's been... Let's see, by that point, it will have been like six and a half years since I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, with Fatima, it feels more like going to visit family and like I want to do it every year. Yeah, this is an annual thing. It is. And, you know, it's interesting because like when I go, I'll get to see a lot of my uh, religious sister friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their whole mission in life, their charism is promoting the message of Fatima. When you go to the Holy Land, you know, you don't meet people who are promoting the message of the Holy Land. Like, it's just... It's a little bit more touristy because there's is, more people trying to is. go to that destination for mm-hmm. more reasons. Yeah. And and there's, I mean, it's the Middle East. There's a lot of unrest. Now, that being said, it's not, I don't feel unsafe in a way like I'm going to lose my life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is definitely not like a place you go to and you feel this like uh, supernatural peace. Mm-hmm. It's just not like that, especially because you've got, you know, a lot of Muslims, a lot of Jews, a lot of Christians all converged on this one place, having some very different outlooks on some very different things. And, you know, it's funny. You'd think that one of the more peaceful places over there would be Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. But I would say it was the least peaceful of all the places. Um, You know, you go and it's Palestinian controlled. I think it's the Palestinians. But I remember walking by... You know, like some some storefront windows, and there was a like a framed picture of Saddam Hussein. You know, it's like wow, like mm. I'm not used to seeing Saddam in a positive light. You yeah. know, and so just to get that, it's like wow, we're uh, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> like it's just it's a different feeling, right? And even in you know the Church of the Nativity, it's like the way people were like almost fighting to get to the spot, right? Yeah, and. And, you know, you know, when you're like at a place and you've been in line for a long time and someone cuts, cuts you off, Mm -hmm. it's like, what are you doing? I've been in line for an hour. You had some of that because it's like there's a spot where you go in to touch the place, you know, where Jesus was born. And then there's like an exit door and it's not a very big spot. Well, all of a sudden, like we're getting close to closing time and people started coming in through the exit. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? And it was like the guard is letting them in, but has given us a real hard time. And it just, so. And I'm sure there's some favoritism on the Jews versus Muslim versus Christian. And I'm sure yeah. the guards know that and depending on where they lo- align. And the hard thing there too, is it's like, even amongst Christians, you've got different people yep. come. I mean, it's like the church of the Holy Sepulchre. There's like storied, you know, uh, past of all the different, um, churches, you know, the it's, it's this group, it's the Orthodox and it's, uh, and this group. And apparently like it's a Muslim gentleman that keeps the key because like all the different Christian groups don't get along hmm. who control different parts of it. So it's, and, and that's not to put it down in any way. I mean, it's, you know, the site of, you know, I mean, the Holy land in general, the site of the incarnation, the passion, the death, the resurrection of Christ, I mean, it is incredible, but you know, it's just something about, it's like getting to go to the place is amazing. And obviously I liked it. I was, I'm going to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to have seen it, it adds something to your reading of sacred scripture, which is so beautiful. And has helped me, I think as a preacher too. But when you get to Fatima, I don't know, it's like, instead of like the head knowledge and, um, you know, adding this depth to your prayer in what you know about the place, it's almost like a relational thing. Mm-hmm. It's like going to go and spend time with Mary, and it feels like you're going to her home and you're just with her. And have you ever been to Assisi? 
I have. Yes. Okay. You know how there's just something about the place where it's just there's oh, yeah. like a peacefulness about the Assisi place. Assisi also has the beauty of being on top of the mountain and it's you're glorious. overlooking the fields and you see the storms coming several yeah. miles away and it does have a real kind of peaceful glory to it. It yeah. does. And Fatima is very similar to that. Like there's a feeling about the place. Mm-hmm. And that's why as you asked, you know, this is this is my fourth time going. The second time I went, I was all by myself. And getting to just walk around the area. So it's like you got the shrine, you know, it's for like a million people gather. Yeah. For all, and that's amazing. And I love it. I spent a lot of time there. But the other great thing is like you can walk to where the shepherd children lived and still see their home and all that. And just walking by myself in the fields, you know, it's like where they had their sheep and all that. There's just an amazing peacefulness to it. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of understand like why, you know, our Lord or our lady would pick a place like this. Um, and it just, it, it reminds you of, it's like the real, you know, the real of where daily life happens. And mm-hmm. I think in, in our day and age, you know, so much is online and so much is social media. It's all like meta, right? You know, mm-hmm. where there's something about going there where it just kind of feels like I'm going to go, I'm going to spend time with our blessed mother and she's going to reintroduce me to her son. The real purpose of going is to grow a relationship of Mary and Jesus Christ. Absolutely. There's not many places where you can say, I am going really as a true pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when you're in the Holy Land, yeah, you're growing in relationship with Jesus Christ. But I think as we've already talked about, the extravagance of it all has become a little bit more where that's kind of a secondary purpose yeah in some ways and it can kind of feel that way now obviously and that's not in any way to knock the you know the trip to the holy land i mean it's obviously i'm going yeah we have a whole lot of people going and i'm excited to go with them um it's just you know the trip to fatima is different Mm -hmm. and as i and i've said this to you this week i mean i love our parish getting to celebrate the school mass yesterday i mean nearly brought tears to my eyes which frankly is not that hard i get that but and you talked about Fatima. I got to talk about Fatima. I know. But it's, you know, I love being here. I love our wonderful staff. I love the kids in the school. I love our families that I get to be with on the weekends. Like, I enjoy celebrating all of our Sunday masses. Like, I look forward to Sundays and I don't like missing weekends here. Um, but it's worth taking some time away to go to this because I don't know. I think it, it helps me to fall more in love with my vocation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they're, they're in turn more in love with the people that I'm serving here. Um, I've heard some comments. I'm actually just saying one of the, one of the people is going on the trip to Fatima, Ted Blanton. Mm-hmm. He said, like, he can tell a change in me since I've been going to Fatima. Like, yeah. it's changed, you know, my priest. And I, and I think that's true. I would affirm that. Yeah. And it's, it's been, and it's like, I can't exactly put my finger on what, but I think there's, well, we've kind of talked about this. Like, one of the things that I think makes this place so special it's like the devotional life, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people kind of like poo-poo that as though it's not a, you know, okay, the old ladies in the church praying the rosary, whatever. But it's like, no, I mean, I think that's one of the main things that's going to save the church. Like, and if we had more of the old ladies in the church praying the rosary, yeah. I might mock it a little bit more. But we don't have that no. experience. It's no. not just the old ladies, no. the old Filipino ladies coming <laughs> into the church to pray the rosary. Absolutely. And it, it is so different from my experience as a child. Like, I remember people praying mass before the rosary, or before praying the rosary before the mass uh, when I was I a child. I understood what you said. You did. I just want to make sure I'm clear, <laughs> clarifying it. And... I mean, what I remember as a child, and you know, it's funny, like your, your childhood memories are probably a little bit different than mm-hmm. reality, 
but it sounded like an auction caller. He was like, hey, Hail Mary, Vogler. It was like, and that's really the way it sounded. Like I, and it took me a while to figure out, oh, they're praying the Hail Mary. Yeah. And it was just so fast. And I don't feel like that's what we have here. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, men, women, young, old, regardless of, you know, background, nationality, everybody jumps in and prays the rose. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's beautiful. And I think it goes down to the heart of this case. Like, well, why do we do what we do? And the more that this becomes relational and like, I'm doing this not because I've been told that I have to, but because I'm in love. And so it's like, that's what keeps things going. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we can't white knuckle it forever, but it's funny. It's like when it sort of switches, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm celebrating this third mass of the day. Not because I have to, not because it's my job, but I want to, I'm, I'm in love. Like I get to go up there and it's like, I have, you know, our blessed mother, like helping me out, patron saints help me out. And this is the other beautiful thing, a church full of people helping me out. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, I feel like we're all in this together. And I think that's the beautiful thing about our blessed mother is our blessed mother. It's not like, well, she's there for me because I'm a priest, but not for you, Michael, you're married. Like, mm-hmm. no, I mean, she is there for all of us. And and it's sort of like the great mystery of, you know, the gift of love in the faith. It's not something that we run out of. It's just the more that we participate, the more that it's shared. And I think the devotional life in the faith, you know, it's like it's one thing to just go and receive the sacraments and that's it. Obviously, sacraments crucially important. Mm-hmm. But the devotional life that undergirds that and builds that up, I think that's what makes the power of the sacraments flow out into every moment of everyday life. And I feel like I get recharged in that and help other people to experience that in taking these trips to Fatima. Yeah, you bring the spirituality and the peace of Fatima back with you. Yeah. Um, In a very practical way when you bring statues back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But also in the devotional way, right? We didn't have the first uh, Saturday devotion until you went on your first trip. To be fair, until Father Rossi went on his first trip because Mm, it was 2017. Mary Sample asked me to go with them on that trip. And I had I was just going on the um, Holy Land one not long before that in 2016. So you didn't I go until no. after Father Rossi nope. went? he went first really? with this group. Because just like now, I felt weird about doing both. Yeah. And I didn't have a huge devotion to Fatima yet at the time anyway. Uh-huh. So it was like, you know, thank you, but can I recommend the other priest who's here? I bet he'd be great. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll go with you in the future. And so he went and came back on fire for the first Saturday devotions. He's like, we could do this. You know, we both, and like, yeah, sure, buddy. Let's let's try it out. And then, of course, we've been doing it ever since. Yeah. So I just feel like because of the large amount of crap that I've given him over the years, I need to say it's because of him that we started. Totally fair. And yeah. actually, didn't he go to Jamaica before you did as he well? He did. He did. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's the, a good really pioneer. The moral of the story, if somebody wants you to go on a trip, send Father Rossi send first. Send Father Rossi first. Make sure it's okay. Yep. And then I'll go he, after he him. He could be the guinea pig. Make he, sure it's safe. Yeah. He came back alive. We're good. Hooray. Yeah. He seems, you know, spiritually charged up. So, okay, I guess I can do it now, too. I, I agree. That's a, that's a good way to live <laughs> It is. Life. I don't get to do that anymore, unfortunately. So, one of these days, I'm sure we'll go on a trip together. That'll be fun. But... Hopefully I won't kill him while we're there. So it'd be great. <laughs> so, because you're going with Father McNulty? I am. On the I am. And is this, he's been before. He has. He so this is the second time he and I are doing this together. Oh, nice. The last time uh, was the last pilgrimage we were on. That was in February of 2020. Yeah, and I remember the world was just about to yep. crumble I'll when you were it. on that trip. Exactly. I remember leaving Portugal. You know, like the questions at the airport, right? The, some of the questions were, have you been in China? It's like, 
no, I'm in Portugal. They're not next door. Like, why are you asking me about China? I had no idea yet about the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> there it came. Yep. So, oh, well, you know, and, and so, yeah, obviously. And that's why the luminaries, mainly Mary Sample and Frank Spicer, her brother, who I'm very dear friends of mine now, and I mm-hmm. get to be spiritual director for that group, um, why they were kind of insistent that we go now because it's finally opened up again and yeah. it's time we can start doing this and i mean, be, I, mean I want to get back so it's it's exciting so let's also kind of pull back the curtain on your role on these pilgrimages right because sure. you really are going as a spiritual director oh yeah of i've joked i've joked with you several times like oh father it's so great to go on vacation yeah and you've corrected me every single time it's like this one is not vacation no. this one is more work yeah. So why don't you go through a little bit of the process of what does a spiritual director do? Why would you say this one's more work, work rather sure. than a vacation? Sure. Um, okay, yeah. So vacation, like I kind of said before, we were talking about clerics versus non-clerics mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or the clothing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so like when I went on a cruise with my parents, what was the point of that? To rest, like to sleep, you know, to read, to just kind of rejuvenate physically, um, I'm just curious. How many books did you bring on the cruise versus actually read on the cruise? Uh, well, I had a Kindle. <laughs> okay. Which was <laughs> helpful. Enough. And I think I read, th- I read three books. Actually, that's pretty good. Yeah. I that's, mean, it's, that's I, more than I would have given you credit for ahead of time. I, I sort of put my head down and go on some of the, and it was, yeah, there were some really good My ones. wife always brings about seven actual physical books. Wow. And I'm just the pack mule. I carry them to the car, into the condo, back down to the car. Yeah. And she usually gets through one and a half. Sure. So I'm like, can't we just bring like, three instead of me carrying seven or eight but it's it's It's, the it's life of a married man i get it well it's and i understand because like on the priest retreat i brought a whole bunch i think i read one page of one book i mean we just it was so much time with the brother priests and i guess okay that's kind of almost like a good transition like i'm probably not going to get a lot of reading in Mm -hmm. um other than like on the flights uh because you know in a way it's not a perfect analogy but it's kind of like being a chaperone on a trip you know and you're with, you know, the group of pilgrims, you know, from the moment you get up until the moment you go to bed. And you're just, you're on and you're with them. And you're there to celebrate mass everywhere. Uh, you're there to hear confessions. You're there for, uh, you know, if somebody needs to have like some spiritual direction conversation um, for talking about, you know, just the, the theological implications of what's going on. Um, now, the thing is, though, when we say work, I know work can have a sort of like a negative connotation. I love my work. Yeah, you know course. what I mean? I so, love my job, too. Yeah. So it's so like, you know, like for, you know, today, like I've been here since six o'clock this morning, heard a boatload of confessions and, you know, I've gotten to be working on the homily. Like, I love what I do. It's just different than, like, like I said, like going on a cruise with my parents where it's just like relax, just, you know, it's, it's just physical kind of. And obviously I'm saying mass with my parents, too. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between saying mass with my parents in a cruise ship bedroom and you know being like getting to celebrate mass at the place where mary appeared to the shepherd children obviously very different experiences um both good in their own way and you know in all honesty though it's like that's why like i'm happy to be working like 50 weeks out of the year and getting like two weeks of downtime because you know obviously tuesday takes more like rest but you know, I would rather be doing the Fatima type thing. I'd rather be having mass in our beautiful church than in a bedroom most of the time anyway. But sometimes you need the unplugged time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to be with those pilgrims and um, yeah, it, it's sort of like, you know, being with a select group of like parishioners, those people all the time, every day for those 10 days. Do you find that as uh, this kind of the spiritual director of the trip, 
that you end up having a lot more of confessions and spiritual direction because of the place that you're in and the spiritual experience that people are going through? Um, or is it, you know, still kind of the, kind of what you would do on a day to day if you were here? Um, well, actually, <laughs> compared to here, it's less, but it's less because there's fewer people yeah. too. And there's two of us priests. So, I mean, it's two priests for, th- I think, I think there's only like 30 people going on mm. this one. So, I mean. Yeah. One to 15 yeah. is a pretty good ratio. It sure is. Uh, as opposed to one to, like, you know, I don't know how many people we have here. Like 3,400 or yeah. something like that. So, you know, there's the proportions are a little bit better. So, yeah, I mean, it, it will be a little bit more restful than the norm here. However, you know, it's like I, I don't probably have the amount of just in-depth one-on-one conversations, you know here that I have on the pilgrimage. Yeah, but you got a lot of you got a lot of meals together. You yeah. got a lot of downtime, probably on buses and airplanes. You find yourself probably having a intimate one on one conversation with just about everyone oh, yeah. on the course of the trip. Absolutely. And you know, and one of those beautiful things too about the faith and things like this, you form some really good and lasting relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean I got to know some people a lot better, you know, going to the Holy Land that first time, going to Fatima um, than I knew them before. Like, for example, Greg and Kathy Dunn here in our parish, wonderful people who I didn't know as well, but I've been to both. They went both to the Holy Land and to Fatima mm-hmm. when I went, and, you know, just to get to know them. You know, it was just, it's it's lovely when you get to be with people, you know, in a different setting. Um, you get to know them better. They get to know you better. And it just, yeah, it keeps helping that relationship grow. So what's your itinerary look like? Do you do you kind of have the the trip? I mean, this is your sure. fourth time, fourth time you going. Pr- yeah. Probably have a basic understanding of how the trip goes. Yeah, uh, I think a couple of things have slightly changed because of both COVID and just some things that have developed. Mm-hmm. We try in this one to go to all of the different places that are involved in the whole like story of the apparitions at Fatima and the lives of the shepherd children. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it didn't, I mean, the the main apparitions of Mary, those happened from May to October um, on the 13th of the month in 1917. But before that happened, the angel of peace or the angel of Portugal appeared to the children, I think three different times before Mary appeared, sort of like preparing the way. So you go to the places where the angel appeared. You know, and then obviously, like where the shrine in, where the shrine is, is where Mary appeared, and then we kind of trace the lives of the children and you know where they were. So Jacinta and Francisco only lived for like another two years mm-hmm. after everything happened, two to three, because uh, Jacinta passed away last, and she, I mean, second after Francisco, and that was in February of 1920. So she didn't mm-hmm. live very long afterwards. And um, we go to the hospital where she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were starting to do some renovations last time, so I don't know if we'll actually – like, I, I hope we can still go. They, they probably took the – well, I don't think they knew COVID was coming at that point. Yeah. But they probably – a lot of places took the COVID advantage of, well, we're kind of shut down to visitors, but we can still get some work done. Exactly. And I think that – like, they were already planning on doing work before COVID even yeah. happened. And we go to a, con, a Poor Claire convent – in Lisbon where she stayed for a while. And like, so we meet the sisters there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we go to the home of the shepherd children. We go to their home parish, St. Anthony's uh, there in um, Santarem. Um, like, so just all these, you know, beautiful places where they were. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we also, so sister Lucia, you know, she lived all the way until 2005. Yeah. And at first she went into a Dorothean convent in, in two different places in Spain, in Tui, and I, I think the other one is called Pontevedra. 
I think the one in Tui though, that convent, I don't think the Dorothean sisters are there anymore. And there was, I think, a bid by the diocese to buy it and fix it up, but they couldn't get the financial support. Mm. So what I understand is I don't know if that's open right now. And that's where... Would you typically go there? we would go there. So I imagine it's not too far into Spain. It's not. And typically, so we would do that. We go to Pontevedra. Um, I think it was in Tui um, where our Lord and Our Lady appeared to Sister Lucia in 1925 and gave her the apparitions about First Saturday devotions, um, which is a beautiful thing, and I'm grateful we do that here. Um, In Pontevedra, um, like... Sister Lucy is like taking the garbage out and this little boy like comes out and like talks to her a little bit. And she's like, she asked him where his rosary was and he just kind of looked at her and um, like encouraged her to go to the church or something like that and tried to get him to pray the Hail Mary and he wouldn't. And then eventually like she figures out like, it's like the Christ child appearing to her. And he's like, why aren't you spreading the first Saturday devotions? Like I asked you, (laughs) I mean, just like some of these beautiful little um, apparitions that happen after the fact. Mm -hmm. And she's such a humble and beautiful, you know, seer. And what she really wanted, like the Dorotheans were, you know, an order where they're kind of like, you know, active and contemplative. She wanted full blown contemplation. Yeah. And so eventually um, she was able to go into a uh, Carmelite convent and we go there as well. And mm-hmm. in fact, the mother superior there at this Carmelite convent, this is back in Portugal, um, she uh, was a, like, she was a sister while Sister Lucia was there. Wow. Um, Cause you know, when you think about it, so she died in 2005, it's only 17 yeah. years ago. And we actually, we uh, often, I think we get it this time too, Sister Lucia's doctor, who was with her there at the end, comes to speak to us also. So, you know, it's like these little things that make it that much more real. Yep. You know, this, you know, young girl who in 1917, you know, spoke to our Blessed Mother, you know, six different times along the way, you know, like lived within our lifetime. You know, I mean, I was already in the seminary when she died. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's funny because, like, I didn't know anything about this then. I mean, I, I, I think I knew there was a Fatima, yeah. but like I... I didn't have any devotion to Our Lady of Fatima, and I wasn't as faithful to the rosary then as I should have been. Um, but it's just funny. It's like, you know, the way that our lives kind of, like, overlap. Um, like, going there. And then there are some beautiful sites that we go to in Portugal that are not necessarily tied up with the message of Fatima, but it's, like, just the rich Catholic history of that country. Yeah. Um, like, we go to Braga, which uh, is this beautiful um like city way up on a mountain Mm -hmm. and they've got like it's it's amazing when you look at it from afar it's this beautiful church and they have these amazing like stations of the cross working their way up this mountain and it's not just the traditional 14 there's like 30 something of them oh wow inside the church is this huge crucifixion scene that's just amazing and if you look at this church up on this mountain and the stations of the cross going up from Mm -hmm. afar it looks like a chalice with mm. like a host at the top, it's it's incredible. And mm. like seeing that lit up at night and getting to offer mass there, it's it's so beautiful. You know, and then you have these these castles and great cathedrals and um there's one, it's a uh, is it a Carthusian monastery? Well Saint Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. Yeah, see Carthusian, Carthusian and it's it's huge. And just to see the stuff that they could do and those know, a thousand guys, years those ago. Those guys are crazy. Those oh my gosh. The Carthusians. I think there's a film Integrate Silence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, there aren't Carthusians there anymore. But it's like you see what they built and yeah. what they did. And and it's funny because the, at least if, I hope he's still there, but the priest who's the pastor now of this like incredible monastery and looks like, it's like bigger than our cathedrals, right? Mm-hmm. 
it's like one guy now is the pastor and he looks exactly like father Paul McNulty. So it's funny cause it's like the doppelgangers when we're there. So I, I enjoy that too. So yeah, it's like just, and, you know, and coming from the United States and going to a place like that and taking, you know, it's like their newest churches are like older than our country. And, yeah. and you know, it's just, so that's, that's always kind of fun just to take that sort of stuff in and, um, and along the way, we meet all these different religious orders. Like I've got you know, the Alianza de Santa Maria that I'm mm-hmm. good friends with, and they're the ones like their whole charism is promoting the message of Fatima. But then you've also got the um, Dominicans of Perpetual Adoration, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, cloistered Dominicans. And, man, when they meet with you, it's incredible. Just a quick story. So when I went with Father Voidus on my first pilgrimage, um, so he had gone once when he was in the seminary, and mm-hmm. they went to go see the Dominicans of Perpetual Adoration. And that's when his mom was very ill. Mm. She ended up passing away in 2006. In fact, she was the second person buried in our cemetery, mm, uh, right, Joanne yes. Voidus. And um, so he hadn't been there. Let's see, because we were there in 2018. I think he was there in 2005. So one of the sisters, when we got to, we get to meet with them kind of like behind the grail, right? She sees him. She didn't say his name. She said, how is your mother, Joanne? I still pray for her every day. And I mean, Father Voidus is a pretty, you know, tough guy, rock solid. I think he started crying. You know, it's like, how, how, how do many, you not? How many years was that? 13 years later, not seeing them. Like, and he didn't say, I'm Father. She just said, how's your mother, Joanne? It's like, I mean, you're dealing with real holiness. Yes. Like, it's just, and it's one of those things where. And you know for a fact. I pray for her every day. She's not it's kidding. Probably by name. Oh yeah, every day. Absolutely. You know, I say this. Oh yeah, I pray for you all the time. And I'm yeah. like, when I remember on occasion, maybe once every month. Yeah, sure, um, <laughs> sure. But this and to say it after not seeing a person for 13 and years, 100 percent meaning it yeah. every single day. And it's like the last meeting. It wasn't like they spent a week together. She met him in passing once when their group came through. Yeah, you know, it's like goodness gracious. And, you know, to see that kind of joy and authenticity and you just, you just feel it. And, and that's where it's like, I've heard it put this way, that there are some places on earth where it's like the veil between heaven and earth is thinner, you yep. know, and that's one of those places. And the thing I love about this pilgrimage, like I said, the, the Dominicans and the Alianza sisters, and we'll see, um, her name is Sister Concilia. I, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the order, but she gives us talks on the angels. And that's where I got, you know, the devotion to praying to my guardian angel every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, just amazing people. And it's like, hey, and, and all of these things we're talking about, all this beauty of the faith, you can practice that every day back in Salisbury, too, yeah. you know. And, and it's nice to go over there and get recharged and see these people that you've grown to love and, and they love you. And it's like getting to start to participate in the communion of saints right now. Um, and then bring it back here. Because as I like to say sometimes, like I, I want to turn this place or I'm striving to turn this place into little Fatima. You know, we've got the statue of our Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. We've got the Fatima bells that are literally a recording of the same bells I'm going to hear when I'm there mm-hmm. on the hour. Um, and I just like the fact here we're blessed with, you know, our, our acreage that we have all around us. And in some ways, like just getting to go and walk on our trails, it's sort of like walking in the fields that the shepherd children walked in. And remember it was... When they were going about their daily work in the quietness of those fields mm-hmm. that our Blessed Mother appeared to them. And I think it's just sort of a good reminder that in the midst of our daily work, and the one thing I think has to change often for us is we have so much noise and just to turn some things off. You know, like be quiet in the car when you're going to work. Like you don't always have to have stuff playing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and just 
our Blessed Mother speaks. You know, our Lord speaks to us in the moments, like our day-to-day moments. And just this whole apparition, it points towards that. And just the fact that, so my grandfather, my grandpa O'Brien, was just over a year old when this was happening. So mm-hmm. once again, it's like that, you know, like we're connected pretty close. It's still very much in the modern era. Exactly. It's very fresh. 105 years ago in the history of the church is like nothing. That's like a day, you know? And so it's it's awesome to get to go and walk there, be there, and I'm sure I'm going to come back recharged and ready to go. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I still think that we need to purchase a photo. Mm-hmm. And I really like the... the I don't know if it was on their official prayer cards, kind of the brown with the gold inlay of San Francisco and St. Jacinta. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, where they're together. I really think it would be awesome to get like a canvas print mm-hmm. that's fairly large of that card yeah. to put it on either the left or right of the Mary statue. I completely agree with you. And I remember I was trying to do that a while back, and I was talking to my sister friends, and it just it never – Because those – those were that painting was Mm -hmm. officially commissioned for the canonization exactly right and the sisters that i'm good friends with know the artist um and i try i just it didn't go anywhere and i was trying to get that but you know what that's a good point and that's something i'm going to need to look into yeah look into that again because i think because that's based off of one of the very popular Mm -hmm. original photos that you see of the seers yeah but i just think that the kind of the modern interpretation of it where they colorized yeah. it. They've got the stars in the background. It just, and it's honestly awesome. with those colors on like the burgundy wall behind Mary, it would just really pop. I completely agree. And there's something about having those little guys right there too. It makes Mary that much more approachable. Mm-hmm. Like, and once again, like I said, it's like participation in the communion of the saints. I've grown in my devotion to those two little saints. I mean, yeah. they were what, nine and 10 when they died. And you know, to know that they could live the heroic holiness that they did. Because yeah. it wasn't just that Mary appeared to them. You know, it's like both of them died of the Spanish flu. Jacinta went through some terrible suffering. And even, like, she died alone mm-hmm. um, in this hospital. And, like, she had to leave her family to go to Lisbon. And she didn't have to, but they, they really wanted to try to see, like, could she, you know, could she be saved and all this. So they took her, you know, from Little Fatima, which is, like, rural countryside, into the big city of Lisbon to the big, you know, modern hospital. And at this time, families are not going no. with their kids. No. And so, yeah, so it was like a, a rich donor took her down there. And she never got to see her parents again, which was kind of like her greatest of sufferings. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, uh, in the convent where she stayed, you see her bed and this chair that she always wanted right next to her. And like the sisters would want to move it. She's like, no, no, that's where the Blessed Mother sits. And like apparently like Mary would, you know, be there with her at times, like holding her hand and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just beautiful to think about this little girl you know, showing that kind of, and, and all of her sufferings just saying all the time, like I'm offering it up for poor sinners. I'm offering it up for the Holy father. Um, yeah, it just brings tears to your eyes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so it's like in, you know, in the midst of my struggles, like St. Jacinta, like help me out with this, you know? And, and, uh, and she does like, that's, that's incredible. And yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that would be really helpful in the church to have those up there. I and, forgot I think, about that. and I think it would just emphasize the fact that it is indeed a statue of yeah. Fatima. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, we don't have a lot of blank wall space left in the church. We don't. But the little bit of space there is like, okay, what can we fill this with? Like, and not like rushing into no, it, no, but no. really taking the time to reflect on and say, what would add to the space? Because 
I mean, these great basilicas and churches in, you know, Europe, they weren't built in a day. It's like, okay, how can we as, you know, current pastor and director of operations of Sacred Heart, how can we continue to build up the church, continue to add to the beauty and the glory of what is Sacred Heart? And I don't know, I think that would be a really nice move. I completely agree. And it goes right in line with the mission. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, okay, this is a beautiful devotional element that fits the space well, that continues on with what we're striving to do. And yeah, cause it, it, it's like you said, it's like <laughs> you have to discern and figure out what's going to fit best here mm-hmm. because more is not necessarily more. And it, you know, just if you, if you clutter something up, that doesn't help you to pray. So you have to be very intentional about what goes in places, but you're absolutely right. Those images are glorious. And now we just need to get you to Lord so you can bring something. Yeah, back I know. I know. Because we got literally Our Lady of Guadalupe right there, statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Yeah. We need some uh, little homage to Lords. One thing we could do, I was thinking about it at one point. I don't know if we will, but like we could almost do some sort of like a stone feature like around that and make it almost grotto-ish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just, and then maybe do something with St. Bernadette in the area. Because yeah. like, I don't think we need another image of Mary there. Cause we, I mean, when you think about it, in that corner, we have three because you've got our lady of Fatima, our lady of Guadalupe on the wall. And then the big image, the stained glass window. And actually we have the little Mary. icon of our lady of sorrows over there. Yeah, right you're right. Well. You're right. And Mary Blanton brings that over in October. Um, or I'm sorry, in September for the feast of our lady of sorrows. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad she does that. It's beautiful. Did you, you know who, who wrote that icon? Yeah, it's, um, Oh, I'm forgetting his name, but Robert the, Royal. Yeah, it's Robert his Royal, wife, yeah. who's the editor and like of the Catholic of the thing. Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his wife. I'm embarrassed. I don't remember her name. So, but yeah, but it's it's beautiful, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful that Mary brings that over. But yeah, the two of them, uh, Mary and Ted Blanton, will be on the the pilgrimage. So I'm excited nice. they'll they'll be along. Nice. All right. Any other thoughts before you go on your trip? Um, we're, we're thinking we'll we'll do a recording after the trip too so you can share some stories and experiences of this trip because i mean we kind of lifted the veil a little bit but yeah. you haven't gone yet so exactly you can get some more information about what was powerful about this specific absolutely time. and there's always something and and i'm so blessed to get to travel with father mcnulty because he's a very good friend of mine and the last time we went the hotel we stayed in we're gonna be in a different one this time unfortunately because it's the first time i'm staying somewhere else which sounds funny to say, but in they're in Fatima, where we were staying, it was it's a hotel, but it's also like someone's house almost. Mm-hmm. It's like a three story, looks like a storefront thing, and and um, but it's just very like residential in this cute little chapel in the middle of it. And the guy who's our tour guide, like it's like he's second generation and runs this hotel and. He's our, our tour guide everywhere we go. And he was there when they put in the big statue of Our Lady at the top of the old basilica. And before they raised her up, he got to kiss her heart before that. I know, it's just amazing. Like all these beautiful things, right? But unfortunately, when COVID hit, I mean, they were a small operation. They had like three staff members. I mean, they can't survive yeah. that. So I don't think their hotel is open anymore. I mean, I hope they do again. So we're staying in a slightly bigger hotel. But the whole reason I tell that whole story is, well, A, it totally adds to the whole just, you know, dimension of feeling like you're going home because mm-hmm. you're like staying in someone's home almost. And also there weren't enough rooms for all the pilgrimage, all the pilgrims. So Father McNulty and I had to share a room 
and he's such a good friend that it's like, you know, like you're exhausted. It's like 11 o'clock at night. You've been going since six. And, uh, but we would stay up laughing so much about all these different things, like kids having a sleepover. It's like, dang it, we got to go to bed. And then we bring up some other stupid thing and like just, and you like laughing to the point when your face hurts. Yep. Like that, you know, it's that, that kind of like just good joy. And I, I'm excited to get to go with him again because we really do have a good mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah, I'm excited. You know, just different inside jokes that came out of that trip. I'm sure there will be some that come out of this one because yep. that's the way it works. Yes, indeed. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Father. We, so happy to. Uh, I'm sure everyone appreciates hearing your experiences of Fatima in the past in your upcoming trip. Um, why don't we close with a prayer? I would love to. And just a reminder, too, because I've had some people ask, you know, will you please pray for me? Now, A, uh, hopefully we're putting this out later today, and people can remember when you come to Mass this weekend, um, to sign up, uh, you know, we have a big, uh, binder, uh, for prayer intentions. Mm-hmm. I'll take all those with me. We take those everywhere we go for mass. And in the end, we put those at the spot where Mary appeared and that's where people drop their intentions all the time. And, um, and I think those sit there for like a week and then they burn all the intentions. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. But the other thing I would say, cause I had some people ask like, will you pray for me? It's like, I want you to know, like, I pray for you every day already because I pray for our whole parish and some people by name, you know, especially going through difficult times and all that. So already you're going to get prayed for everywhere I go. Um, And I'll be offering mass for the parish at least once while I'm there. So even though I'm away, like I'm taking everybody with me in prayer and um, just, yeah, ask for for everybody's prayers as well. Nice. Fantastic. Awesome. Let's close with the memorare. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly into thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God.